Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, Pete Mitchell here. We've got a really special podcast episode for you today. Uh, Peyton and I, just this last week, started a brand new program called the Bivo Inner Circle. If you haven't uh, seen any of the information that we've put out on it, I'd encourage you to head on over to BivoInnerCircle.com. And one of the things that we do in this program is twice a month we do a, a live mastermind call uh, with everybody in the program. And Peyton and I answer your questions, well, Peyton answers your questions on ministry, and I answer your questions on making money, being self-employed, getting clients, uh, things of that nature. And we also had our very first call for that this last week, and it went extremely well. So Peyton and I decided that we would give you an insider look at what the Bivo Inner Circle Mastermind Call is like and encourage you to head on over to BivoInnerCircle.com and check out the program and see if it might be right for you. But I think you're going to get a lot out of this. It's just uh, basically about the first half of the call. Uh, the uh, the second half of the call was really, really good, but that would have actually made a really long podcast. So we decided just to put uh, the first half up, and I know you will enjoy it. Thanks so much. So uh, anyway, guys, so what, we're, what we do on these calls – is uh, Peyton is here for obviously any of your uh, church planning and ministry questions. Um, I'm here for any of your uh, build it, business building questions. And uh, typically, uh, we, we've kind of got three groups that we're, we're morphing over into this one group. So if you've been with us for a while, we've got Jump School Church Planner Training. Uh, we've got the Business Growth Consulting Group, and we've got the Bivo Inner Circle. And we're kind of uh, blending those together into this Bivo Inner Circle because uh, 
Peyton and I were talking about it, and we just came to the realization that, you know, so many of the people who are in ministry, they've got, you know, these two areas that they need help with. One is obviously the ministry side, um, reaching their community, effective evangelism, uh, running their church. Um, if they're on the church planting side, then obviously there's like every question in the world. And then uh, there's also the other side where it's like, okay, how do I also make a living? Um, and so that's why we've created this this Bible in a circle, and we're kind of morphing all three of these uh, groups into this for the purpose of these calls. So we've got people uh, at all different stages um, of uh, of their ministry, of their business, and so you're going to benefit by being able to hear everyone else's questions um, and uh, and the responses. Uh, that we give them. So uh, with that, Peyton, um, I'm going to let you uh, kick us off and uh, let us know if there's anything that you specifically wanted to, to cover here this morning, and then we'll uh, we'll open it up for some Q&A. Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, good to have you all on here. I uh, want to start out this call by thanking you guys for being here. Um, I'm having a, a rough, just being real, which I think church planners are very good at. Um, just being real, just to say that, uh, you know, my, my mom is in her final days. So I got that call this morning. I'm going to need to make it out, um, back east. So, um, you know, just, uh, keep me in prayer since you're church planners and you have special magic prayers. Please pray for me. God kind of keeps it together for me in the next 24 hours. And, uh, you know, 48 hours. But anyways, just really appreciate you guys uh, being with us. Um, I do want to also uh, start by saying that Star Wars is way cooler than Star Trek. Uh, we need to get that established at the beginning of these calls and our relationship together. Otherwise, we may not be able to work together. And, uh, and other than that, um, just, you know, really, guys, just give you a little bit of my history. Um, some of you know my history. Some of you don't. Um, but you know, I've been in, in all different types of ministry. So even though I'm kind of known as like a church planning trainer, um, I, you know, my, my ministry didn't start out that way. I have been, uh, the interim of, uh, a mega church. Um, I've been an assistant pastor. I think I've headed every ministry. In fact, it was funny because in one church, I got demoted quite a bit. Um, you know, that's another story. I've been through all that pain. Uh, but that, that kind of gave me a, they didn't know what to do with me because the church was in love with me. But, um, obviously there was a, you know, there was a little bit of a leadership conflict and it's since been worked out. I mean, you know, I have a really good relationship with, uh, that pastor now, but, um, but we went through a rough time. We've since talked about it and we've, we've been humbly said, Hey, this is how I would handle things differently. And, both of us have kind of hugged and made up, but I made a whistle stop tour through, I was a children's ministry director. I was youth pastor. I was, you name it, man. And, uh, so anyways, just to let you know, um, you know, youth ministry, that's how I got my start. I started at 19. I turned 44 next week. And, uh, so I've been in ministry for 25 years. Um, got ordained in 2000. No. Sorry, 1995. Wow, that's that's kind of trippy. And, uh, you know, have been in everything from a rural church. I've been bivocational. 
I've been in a traditional church. I've been in uh, Presbyterian. I've been in Baptist, Reformed Baptist. I've been in Calvary Chapel. Um, I've done so many different, I sound like Trump now. I, I'm the best minister. Everybody knows it. Just ask anybody. <laughs> I don't mean it to come off like that, you know, like, like I'm the Trump of ministers, but, uh, but, but the, the please bottom no, line please, is that, please no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I have a, I have a secret relationship with the brethren. It's being probed right now, but, uh, but anyway, I, I hear so I hear you've got a connection to the Russian church, but you know I, I don't want to go into detail. Russian, that. that's where I should have gone with that. Yeah, the Russian Orthodox <laughs> Church. That would have been better. See, this is why I need Pete. But you know, the the bottom line is that um, you know I've done everything from you know, like you said, a traditional what they would call a heritage church. Um, you know, where you're, you're in a historic church. I've been in rural church. I've been in metropolitan church. I've been in urban church, I've church planted, I've, I've taken churches. So over those years, um, I've done team ministry. I've, you know, it's just to give you a breadth to understand, because you might be thinking, hey, Peyton's just a church planning guy, and that's what he knows. But I really want to start out by saying um, a lot of the things that that I write, particularly when I, when I say things like, Hey, you know, th- this is the way that it is, but, you know, I'm looking at the New Testament. This is the way it should be. The reason why people go, Oh man, that's exactly what I feel is because I've been there. You know, I've been in most of these contexts trying to make it work, trying to make things happen and been as frustrated and, you know, sometimes as clueless as everybody else. And so, uh, that's kind of a little introduction. Um, don't want to say too much. Uh, probably said too much, but that, that's kind of, that's where I've been. And, uh, so hopefully with that breadth of experience, um, there won't be too much that you, you think, oh gosh, you know, Peyton won't be able to, I've, I've led student movements. I mean, gosh, just, yeah, I've accidentally planted churches, churches in public space. I mean, you know, on and on. So, uh, most likely I'm going to have insight into whatever context that you are operating in. Hey, awesome. And, uh, for, uh, like the one person on the call who doesn't know you had a book drop this week, um, I want to actually spend a, a few minutes on the call, uh, kind of talking about the book a little bit because, um, of the message behind the book. And I mean, that's the whole reason that everyone is on this call. I mean, everyone on this call is in ministry in one way or another. Um, whether you are getting ready to plant, you've already got a church, uh, you're bivocational, you uh, are in ministry in one way or another. I mean, I, I had a guy reach out to me this morning. He's like, hey, I'm uh, I'm not planting a church right now. Do I qualify to, to join your Bible inner circle? And I go, hey, look, I'll be straight with you. you got to be in ministry. And we've got people that are at all levels of ministry. I go, we've got ex-church planners who are licking their wounds. We've got, you know, and I started going through the list and, and he goes, well, I'm definitely one of those who's licking his wounds. <laughs> so I mean, uh, Most are. Yeah, yeah. Even when you're a quote unquote successful church planner, you're licking your wound. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, my, my point in that is uh, your, your book, which uh, is, Raiders of the Lost Art, 
Um, give me the whole title, man. Now that I'm, I'm on the spot. Yeah, totally yeah, yeah. yeah. Your title. So it's Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. There you go. Bye, Bye, Zondervan. 2017. Yeah, pick it up wherever finer books are sold, Amazon, everything. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, <laughs> let's let's kind of jump into that because, uh, yeah, we're all here because we need to make a living. That's the whole reason that everyone is, is in one way or another. Uh, I, I was talking with someone earlier this week, and um, I go, the whole point of working is to make money. I mean, that's the only reason why people work is because we need to put food on the table. Um, and mm. so we we take jobs, you know, whether it's working at Starbucks, working at the uh, the laundromat, uh, fixing cars, uh, selling whatever, insurance. Um, we work because we need to make money. But everyone in this group is kind of unique in that, yeah, we need to make money, but we fill a call. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about your book, uh, uh, Peyton, if we can. Um, and by the way, again, guys, if you've got a question at any time, go ahead and hit star two. That's going to raise your hand and I'll pull you over, uh, into the call. Uh, but yeah, let's just, let's just start talking a little bit about your book. Um, I don't want to ask your famous question, <laughs> which we murdered on this week's podcast. Uh, why did you write this book? Uh, no, but I said you give a question. Yeah, I know, right? Give us a synopsis of uh, the book and the message that you're really trying to to get people to wake up to. Yeah, so you know, it's funny because each time I've I've answered this question, um, I've been speaking like a bad boy, like you know, preacher Peyton doesn't get out very much anymore. But uh, I've been. In San Diego, the Inland Empire, spoken with Stadia and getting ready to speak to Acts 29. I'll be with Jeff Vanderstelt today. Um, you know, it's, I'll be at my singing church tomorrow night, but each time so far, um, it's been different. And the reason why is this next book, Reaching the Unreached, is really kind of like my hidden operating system. And what I mean by that, it's like the iOS, you know, if you, Rip me open if I'm an animatronic and you're looking at everything or the, the, you know, a Terminator and you, you, you want to see what's underneath. This is like the endoskeleton. And I remember being at a conference where they asked me to come speak and it was on the back of Church Zero. And that was my first book. And they were like, Hey, can you come speak at this conference? And it was a good conference. A buddy of mine runs it. It's in Colorado. And um, it wasn't the conference that was a problem. It was me because I had been, you know, really like just today I posted a, um, a Facebook memory of this baptism we had that was super cool. And I, I feel like the more front line you go, the more it jacks you up for ministry as you know it. There's a sense in which you can't ever return back to normal again. Um, and, and so, I remember just going to the first day of the conference and I had a conversation with um, my editor, my acquisitions editor. He was there. His name is Don Pape. He was a guy that, um, you know, uh, signed Francis Chan and he, he saw value in church zero, which speaks a lot for him. And at that time I was talking to him about the fact that the, the book was getting rejected in every publishing house. And at that time, the proposal really had the Holy Spirit at the forefront. And the book's theory, the underlying theory that the entire book was built on, 
was that the more front line you go, the more like Acts things become, more like the book of Acts it gets. And I, I unpack the fact in one of the chapters that every time Jesus promises power or presence of the Holy Spirit, he, um, he ends up, you know, linking it to mission. So, for example, Acts 1-8, you'll receive power from on high, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Also in the Great Commission, he says, all authority has been given to me. That's power. Um, therefore, go, there's mission, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. There's a presence. So the power and presence of the Holy Spirit are always promised in connection with ministry. And I kind of draw out the fact that these are conditions, right? Like, you're not going to experience these things if you don't go. They are connected. So when you have a Christian who's kind of bored and says, hey, you know, I don't get this whole Christianity thing, or they start slipping away or or heading out the back door, they don't get church anymore, it's usually because they're bored and they're not doing what they're meant to do, made to do. We talk about unbelievers not doing what their creator made them to do. Well, in the same way, a Christian cannot be doing what his Savior made him or remade him to do. And so that's kind of the premise of the book. But I remember that night at that conference, I was talking with Don Pape in the day, and I told him, and he said, Peyton, here's the thing that you don't realize. He goes, I know you. We've had dinner together. Um, I've, I've drawn out, I've asked you questions, and you've given me amazing stories. And he goes, Peyton, that stuff is so cutting edge that he goes, I, I just know I read a lot of books, I hear a lot of stories, and he said, but people need to hear that. People need to hear that the God of the book of Acts is still real, and he's still around today. And he goes, I don't know how you put your proposal together, but if I'm not hearing, because as you could tell by the beginning of this conference, like I, I have no problem talking, I just don't like to talk about me very much. So I was always a, a sucky missionary, I'd go and I didn't want to talk about me. I don't want to tell my stories, you know, it's like, well, I got stuff to say. I don't want to tell you like, Hey, I'm Peyton Jones. And this is what I did, you know, now, now, and then Peyton did, I don't want to write a novel about myself. But when Don said that I, I wrestled with it and that night, there was a wrestling, what I, I, I've, I've kind of couched this whole book as like a wrestling with the angel. Um, because what I feel with, with this book is that, um, it really was, um, it wasn't easy. Like Hemingway said, if you, a writer just sits at the typewriter, he's asked, is it, is it easy to write? And he goes, yeah, you just sit at the typewriter and you bleed. Like your life's blood, your essence just comes out when a book's right. But with this book, uh, Church Zero was so right. It was just pent up. It came out of me. And this one, though. I felt like I was on holy ground. I felt like I was wrestling with the angel. I felt like some of my personality came through. Sure. You know, it's got an Indiana Jones theme and it's, it's quirky and it's funny, but it also, there was points at which I felt this is holy ground. They need to take my shoes off. There was a reverence there. And, and I grew as an author in this book. I had to really wrestle with the times were my um, my humor. I Pete and I have this sense of humor. We think everything is funny, and but there was a time at which God was saying, "Right, I I need I need you to pay attention right now." And some of the things that I said in the book, like I, I would say that there's one chapter in particular. It's almost like for me when I read it, it's like the Holy of Holies. It's 
it's a sacred chapter. I don't know how to put it. I'm not saying it's infallible or inspired by God or something heretical. I'm just saying that for me, I know that writing that was for me a holy moment. And it, it's actually about holiness and, and my theory of holiness. And you hear that knock a lot. You, you, you hear people right now because they don't understand the connection, like in Titus 2, between grace and holiness. And they're still struggling to understand the grace of God. And I bring out the fact that, look, power is important. And, you know, Paul says if you cleanse yourself from, from ignoble purposes, you will be equipped for every good work. There's an equipping. There's a power that happens when somebody's sanctified. There's an anointing. And I unpack that theologically a bit because we hear it, but people don't really explain it. And so what I do is I kind of talk about like a boxing match that you, um, you know, you can, you can go, you know, 15 rounds in the boxing match. I mean, it only takes once being in an exorcism to, to realize, you know, gosh, man, I, I really need a little bit more than, than, than what I got right now. I might need some, some extra power from the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference between going 15 rounds and knocking out in the first 30 seconds. And I've been in both scenarios. And so what I do is I unpack that a bit. Um, but I really want for people to understand that, you know, the, this is just one chapter, and again, I'm going a totally different direction than what I've spoken on, you know, the previous three times so far in the last two days. But here's the deal. Um, you know, I want people to understand that, you know, the, the cross is grace, but the resurrection is power, and we're called to live a crucified, resurrected life. And I feel like the church is still struggling to get the grace of God. And I think it's fantastic that that's the foundation of everything. I don't do anything. Sanctification has nothing to me to do with my salvation. It has nothing to do with God being pleased with me. I don't perform for Jesus, but I'll tell you what I do do. Like Jesus, I sanctify myself for their sakes that they might be sanctified. There's a sense in which I sanctify myself for mission because I want power. I want what Spurgeon had when Spurgeon stands up in the Surrey Gardens Music Hall testing the acoustics during the 1857-1859 revival. And he's testing the acoustics in that music hall, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And a repairman, elderly gentleman, on the second balcony, is immediately, he hears that, and he's converted. That's power, right? Just testing the acoustics in a room. And uh, I'll, I'll sum up here so that, Pete, I know, I know we're not going to spend our whole time on this. But um, I laid awake that night in Colorado in a hotel room, unable to sleep, wrestling and wrestling with the fact that I was being paid big money to speak to a room of about a 1,000 Christians. And I couldn't get past the fact that what I was really being asked to do was entertain them. And it bothered me so much that I thought, I really don't want to speak to them. And when I got on stage, I said, I really don't want to speak to you today. And I, I literally said, because you're paying me big money, and most of you just want me to preach a good sermon. And I don't really have time for that. And I preached a sermon. I did, but I, I my notes were strapped. And what came out of it was the core of this book. And it was about mobilizing people. My whole talk was about getting people mobilized on mission. And I just opened up Acts 1, and I said, look, you know, we, uh, we've we got this book, and the number one thing 
that that Luke is telling us is you don't have the power. And I'm like, why do we have a room full of a thousand Christians here just listening to messages all day? Why aren't we on our faces? Why aren't we crying out to God to reverse things? Why aren't we on our knees today? If you're if you're who I think you are in this room, you're a thousand leaders. Why aren't we praying? Like, why, why aren't we doing what they did in the book of Acts? We want to see what they saw in the book of Acts. Why aren't we doing what they did in the book of Acts? And that literally became um, the foundation of the book. And, uh, and, and so, you know, one of the, the catchphrases from the book is, if you want to see, and Alan Hirsch retweeted this this week, and I was, I was pretty blessed because we he, he's on the similar wavelength. But if you want to see first century results, you need, or without first century practice, we will not see first century results. That was my mic wow. drop, by the way. Yeah, like it. Well, I mean, one of the things that I've shared on the podcast, um, and for those of you who are new, if you haven't uh, been listening to the Church Planner podcast, it's probably been to your benefit, but uh, we do hope to reverse that <laughs> and have you as regular listeners of the Church Planner podcast. Um, but I grew up in a Christian home. My father was a pastor, uh, my whole life. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a son of a Baptist, as we like to say. Uh, and, uh, I went just like a curse word, just like a curse word. <laughs> I went to Christian school, uh, all my life, uh, graduated from Biola University, you know, one of the, uh, most well-known and, and respected, uh, evangelical, uh, colleges and i you know for me when when all of this became real was after i met you and started going to uh the long beach church plant that we did and before then i i can honestly tell you i looked for any excuse to not go to church any excuse in the world and i'm not going I mean, my college days, I, I maybe went to church six times over the five years that I was at Biola. Maybe six. I'm not even sure it was that high. Um, I, you know, because I'd been in the church the whole my whole life. I could, I could, I could stand up there and preach to everyone exactly what I'd heard and what they were preaching because it was the same thing. Like it, it never changed. It was not exciting. And when it became exciting is when we got on the front lines in Long Beach. And, um, then it just became fun, like downright fun. Literally from, you know, seeing the, uh, the transsexual prostitute get into a, a knife fight with uh, another homeless person. And of course, they didn't have any knives, so they had scissors. I mean, it just was like, wow, okay, this is happening right now. Um, in the middle of service, by the way, not like at the end of service. I mean, literally in the middle of service, like, you know, everyone's got to stop. We got to call the cops. Um, seeing, uh, demon possessed people or at least completely crazy people, um, and not knowing, okay, is this demonic or is this, uh, you know, they got some serious, mental issues going on um it became real and it became like you and i have talked about this Peyton. it became one of those deals where it was like you don't want to miss because you just don't know what's going to happen next and when you're on the front lines like that you just don't know what's going to happen next i mean we had a pit bull 
bite the hand of our Sunday school leader. I mean, it was yeah, like what were the what was it the 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 cross dressing prostitute used the the ladies' room a pit bull bit our Sunday school teacher and the guy made change out of the offering that was I remember that day and we were like man it's all all a day and, and all days work in Refuge Long Beach yeah and I mean you just oh my gosh it was like it became exciting and that's and that's honestly when um, everything for me became real. Uh, and and even though and, and I've said this before, I, I mean, since I was saved, and and I absolutely had a real conversion when I was five years old. I, I look at my own son who's five years old, and I kind of wonder how much did I understand. But I know I had a real conversion back then. Um, it it I've always known when I was sinning. I've always known when I was doing wrong. There was never like a oh I didn't realize I was doing something that wasn't cool. Like I've always known. It just never stopped me, you know, just because I I knew it was a sin. It never stopped me from doing it. Um, But everything became real when I got on the front lines. And I think for me, one of the reasons why um, I'm excited about your book, because if we can get more Christians to really kind of understand that it's not about just the pastor. And I realize everyone on this call is, is in ministry, but it's not just about them taking action. It's about mobilizing the person who right now is thinking this is a spectator sport, that thinking that going to church is all about showing up on Sunday, saying hi to the, you know, half dozen people who they consider friends, and then sitting down in a pew and letting someone talk at them for the next 30 to 45 minutes. Um, but this is a battle, and what we, one of the things that, that you've always said, Peyton, about uh, Refuge Long Beach is that we, we were uh, many people's last stop before eternity. And, I mean, how many people did we have die um, after they got saved, uh, you know, and then within months were dead um, from who knows what. I mean, we had one guy uh, shot by the cops. We had another guy um, uh, overdose. I mean, we've had so much stuff. I mean, it was it was people's last stop before eternity. And that's what yeah. really, for me, got, got me, uh, you know, excited about this. I mean, the whole reason that I do this whole Bible stuff and, and teach pastors, hey, guys, here's a way that you can make money is because it came out of the need for this. I'm sitting there looking at everything yeah. that that pastors are doing, I'm like, man, we got to find a way for them to make some more money because if they could do what I do, they'd have their time back, they'd have their family back, and yep. they could make a decent living doing it. And so, I mean, I, I know I just kind of went off on a tangent there myself, but that's, that's you know, I don't know. That's, that's my, my hope. My, my hope when people read your book is that they'll, yeah. they'll start to mobilize people and get them to start putting into practice what they well, here's, they here's the thing, too. Absolutely. And here's the thing, too. You you hit on something that's really important to me. And I know we we talk about this because in Pete's line of work, he makes, you know, he makes a lot of money. And and that is kind of the bottom line. You know, you're always looking at profitability. But one of the the most God honoring things to me is I get disgusted when I'm looking around online and I'm like, this is obviously a way to get money out of people in the name of God or a, or a way to get money out of ministers or, you know, whatever, like there's a bunch of services out there you don't need. 
This did not come about from us sitting down and going, how can we make money off church planners? It was literally, you oh, know, it? it came. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, right. <laughs> Is there something you need to. But it, it literally, it literally came out of us going, because I, I remember Pete, we had this conversation. Pete's like, I don't know, because I can make so much more money doing what I do, but, you know, but I got to help these guys, you know, like, like, I really got to help, like, like the burden for church planners, you know, I do this stuff nonstop is just who I am, you know, training them. I don't have the skill set Pete has with uh, the consultancy, um, but it literally is a labor of love for you guys out there, man, to, to free you up to get out there with people, you know, because otherwise you're, you're not going to be able to reach people. I, I personally think that this is um, one of the most genius ways to maximize your time, to maximize your income and to, uh, or sorry, minimize your time working, maximize your income and maximize your exposure to lost people. And that's the sweet spot. Whenever you're church planning or ministering, you want those three factors to be at the right level. Otherwise you're, 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 you're minimizing your, you know, maximizing your time at work. You, you get minimal pay. And man, I've been there. I remember planting Starbucks and the exposure to lost people was insane. Um, it was almost unfair to the enemy because I was, you know, I, Plan a church out of that Starbucks. I remember at a certain point looking at Andrew and saying, Hey, we're going to be here a little longer. Um, I, I kind of need to make more money, you know, cause each month it was like, you know, minimum wage was not cutting it. And, uh, so yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, open up the lines, uh, star two. If you've got a question or a comment or you want to chime in. Um, on anything that we said, go ahead and hit start too. That'll raise your hand and I'll pull you over into the call. And don't forget, I know some of y'all, so I'll start calling on you because, hey, David, come on. How can you not have anything to say? You're like Mr. Boxer. <laughs> oh, right, right. There we go. Hey, David. Uh, 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 welcome to the call, hey, David. First time caller, long time listener. <laughs> yes, I am. And I tell you, you guys are amazing. I've never come across such um important, valuable information. I wonder, can you help me grow my business and my church? No. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. That sounded that sounded scripted and canned. I don't know what to do with that. Did, Pete, did you pay him? <laughs> I feel like it. <laughs> you, you know you didn't pay me. You know you didn't pay me, but he certainly invested in me. There you go. Peyton, it's good to hear your voice, man. I'm really uh, praying for you and your family with your mother's Thank um, you, brother. circumstances. It's heavy. Uh, it's heavy on my heart. Um, Thank you, brother. I'm actually, I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome, man. I um, I am actually one of the last three people in a um, there's a company come to the country called Liddell, Liddell, no Lidl. It's a um, as a Germany, it's a German-based grocery store market chain like Whole Foods. They've come here to this area along the East Coast because they recognize the marketability of this region. And I'm actually in here filling out a job application because as a bivocational church planter, um, I'm, I've learned so much about my own value. And I, I didn't quite 
say this, and I, I had to take my earplug out for a moment as you were talking, um, Pete, and I missed, I'm sure, a very important piece. Um, but of you know, what kind of prompted you to move into writing? I did not know the story, the backstory of why you wrote the book, but um, that passion, that sense of urgency, and also I'm going to say this a little bit. I don't know if this works for you, but the sense of contempt for how we see the church being unresponsive, the, the mainstream church being unresponsive to the needs of people. Um, when you shared what you know, mm-hmm. you know that on stage there for a moment, I was really, I was so proud of you, um, and that you went ahead and preached. But at least you knew, and they knew, you know, what what the deal is. That you know, there's a lot. I have had similar circumstances. Uh, I remember when I was in Texas at a Baptist convention, and I became so frustrated that you know you got all this power here, supposedly power here, but yet there's no no evidence of his manifested power working in a lot of the people in the community. So, um, yeah, you know, it's funny because Pete and I were at a a pastor's conference once and I brought Pete, um, there's about a thousand leaders and, uh, we went to it together and we were, um, you know, pitching. It was our first year working together. We're pitching church planner magazine and we're having these conversations. We're sitting at a table and Pete almost stormed out because it was it was basically um, it was uh, this it was just bragging about yeah. what they had and and what they did and 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 Pete was disgusted particularly by one individual who was actually really talking down to one of the guys next to him who was you know I, I guess you would say a smaller fish and really disrespectful well, it was his assistant and, pastor it was his assistant pastor and he. He was That's totally right. belittling him in front of everyone at the table, and 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 then and then in another table, you know, this was another meal. Um, we're sitting there, and I just remember saying, like, "Hey, you know, um, one of the guys was talking about expanding. You know, he's like, look, you know, they're building this new neighborhood.'" And I said, "You know, that if the church would stop following the white flight in its church planting." Wow. And and wow. actually, you know, buck the trend, um, get off of the white middle class trajectory and actually start going where the need is and not where the money is. We might actually start returning back to seeing what we saw in the first century or even in the Jesus movement. And everybody's eyes got big. There was this awkward silence. And what was awesome was there's a, 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 a pastor there um he was from Watts. He was an African American, and he just sat there and he goes, "Hmm." <laughs> like that's rad, you know. But it was it was again. It's this contrast where I often feel, um, I often feel, you know, there's that lyric that Bono had on his album, um, "No Line on the Horizon," where he says, "There's a part of me in the chaos that's quiet, but there's a part of you that wants me to riot." And I feel a little bit at times like a like a church reformer um, rioting, you know, against the fact that there are all these unreached people. And how dare we make it about what we get? Like since I always think to myself, the litmus test would be Paul gets on the time machine and comes and visits and expects our inspects our ministry. That to me is always the litmus test. What would Paul say? 
if he turned up in my ministry, would he say, oh, man, Peyton, that is amazing. That is a, what about Wesley? What about these men that we loud as heroes and we, we praise them, kind of like Jesus says, you know, you build, you build monuments to their name. But if they were alive today, you'd probably stone them. You know, you would hate them. You would hate the William Booths. You would hate. And this is what I'm saying is God raises these guys up. And I bring this all up in the book. You know, God raises these, these, these ministers that are radical who say status quo ain't cutting it. Right. We're not reaching that. There are just vast swaths of unreached people. We need to go after them. And that's kind of the, the, the pulse. Anyway, sorry, I got back on my soapbox. Yeah. My apologies. Well, hey, hey David, <laughs> sorry, David uh, what was your question? <laughs> yeah, do, do, do you have a question other than can you tell me how to grow my church in three easy steps? Debt steps, no, no, mind you. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Hold on a second. Hey, David. Do we lose him? I might have muted. I might have muted him, actually. Oh, and he's screaming and raising his hand. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, David. I might have uh, muted you. You're, you're unmuted now. Okay, I couldn't figure it out. Okay, cool. Dude, that's why I need those three steps. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I need three steps on how to operate a, uh, a conference call. Um, Pete, no. Peyton, no. Um, your soapbox really just – I think that's where I am. Someone – another – uh, consultant planter asked me this morning, was I going to be on the call? And I said, yeah. I said, I, I really, I'm in a place where I'm, it's almost like subversiveness is the strategy. Um, being even, I want to even move towards something one of the new uh, Bible people said, I think his name is Joel. Um, he, was, he made a comment about, uh, no, and, and Daniel about how to Mark, how to move towards reaching churches that are growing, um, and they're, you know, they're building and they're, they're swelling up. Uh, they're swelling up because of this Christian nationalistic type of propaganda that's occurring right now. Uh, that's tied, that's tied to political movement. And, and really, you know, marketing to them saying, how can I help you grow your church? Uh, so that I can really build my business, so that I can really establish kingdom agenda, um, which does right. not look like it is it's, it's really kind of antithetical in some respects, if viewed that way, by what churches are doing. They're doing a lot of things like you were alluding to, you know, it's like jumping on this bandwagon, you know, bandwagon, moving their agenda forward. Everybody's doing the same thing. You know, yeah. white flight move, moving, and not just white flight, but black flight to moving away from the inner city, where where the greatest yeah. need is for salvific events to take place. Uh, and the whole yeah. piece about holiness, hmm. the holiness piece is critical, and that is so so missing from this, so missing from this. So Pete, I want to throw this at you, and Peyton, I want to throw this at you too. And maybe this is the right moment for I've been trying to see how I could present this. Pete put a question out the other day about how we could market maybe some aspect of our ministries um, in a more effective way that he could help us with. And I get my brain, I was like, well, how do I say this? But Peyton, because I was thinking about Peyton at the same time, here it is, guys. Okay, so Peyton Pete, how can you help me, 
be effective in my church planting efforts, kingdom agenda efforts, right, through a through a model of prayer, seeking holiness, getting back to the, I, I facilitate mm. noetic meditative prayers, and I see, and spiritualization is high in our culture today, um, and everyone I talk to, even the other day I was at the gym, a young man came in into the sauna, and he starts meditating, but he's, but I asked him, I didn't know he, med- I didn't, I've never seen anyone meditating here but me, and he says, yeah, he says, I really don't know what I'm doing, but, so I teach him really quickly on how to uh, do a, um, a Latino Divino, how to pray the scriptures, how to meditate on the word. And I'm having, I'm seeing God move in that area, but I don't know how to take it to the next step to market it in a way that it can actually become something. I believe what God wants to do is bring people back to a place of prayer where we actually learn to hear his voice and operate from that. Now, I think you got a good feel for what I'm saying. Um, so yeah. what do you think, guys? Well, I think uh, for me now, I, I think writing a book is the best way. If you were thinking, hey, I want to monetize this, you write a book. Um, you you could even start a course. But I, I also think that there's, and, and I'm interested to hear Pete's take on this, because I think you have to be really careful when it comes to spiritual disciplines. For example, remember that Simon the Magus came and said, hey, I want to buy this power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, yes, buy yes, it. yes, yes, and, yes. And Peter said, hey, man, your money, you know, perish with you. I mean, you know, Peter was like, no, this this ain't happening. So I think you need to to be careful. Writing a book, I think, is the only legitimate way to um, – to kind of and and you could do a course on spiritual disciplines and I think it's slightly different because what you're doing is you're asking the person to make an investment of time really that's the course for a book or even an audible you're sharing your wisdom and you're putting it in a form that's an accepted format to do that with um, you know you're you're you can also coach people like for example mentoring um, a buddy of mine wrote a book on prayer a guy named Adam Statmiller. Um, when I was doing something called Train Station, Church Planning Train Station, I, um, I introduced that book. And because Adam is local, uh, one of our guys um, sought him out and said, will you mentor me? And I'll even pay you for your time because I know you're busy. Will you be my prayer mentor? And, and that was how it worked. But like I said, I think on a, on a mass scale appeal, like, you know, it's basically a, a – it's kind of like certain things that you got to be careful with that, that probably shouldn't go together. Like Pete will always say, am we in church? Just no. Yeah, yeah. Right? Just yeah. no, no, no. And I yeah. think that uh, I just think that there's certain you have to be extremely careful with this because, you know, part of our jobs as ministers, this is just what we do. Like, we're just going to try to get our people to pray. If we teach our people to pray, it, it, what I think is really powerful is the way that Ying Kai um, came up, and there's another guy named Steve Smith. They came up with this way of training people to share the gospel, and it became so organic that that's what's taking Southeast Asia by storm in the underground church and in the factories all throughout China with the mass migrations of of people that move every year around. Um, That is something that, it doesn't require money. It's purely organic, and it's easily transferable. Um, it's just basic, basic. You know, the, what they do is they, they have people share their testimonies. 
right? So they would share their testimony. So I'm going to go back to the guy in the sauna. They would share their testimony. So they'd be working in the factory, and they would say, hey, um, you know, what's your story? How did you get here? Do you have kids? You know, really, where did you grow up? And they would get the people to tell their story, and then they would say, um, then they would earn the right, really, to be heard to tell their story. And, of course, they would share their testimony. And that would just, Yin Kai would teach them how to lead people to Christ through that. And testimony is so powerful that it's just a, it's a no-brainer, right? It, it, it's, it's a, an amazing tool. So that said, in the sauna, what I would do if I were in that situation, and, and this is something God has really been teaching me over the years, and, and I don't model this on these calls. I don't model this in anything we do because it's a podcast and, you know, it's just talking, talking, talking. But when I'm talking with non-believers, I question them a lot. I, I ask a lot of questions. I'll say to the guy at the sauna, how, how do you meditate? What does that look like? Oh, I see. Okay. And then I'd let him talk a bit and I'd ask some good follow-up questions. How does that make you feel? What does that do for you? Um, what do you struggle with? You know, a lot of the questions that you, I guess you would ask as a, as a consultant, really, you could actually apply a lot of that because you're probing, you're agitating the problem. And then you're going to say, let me share with you what I've found. And then you start bringing into it. And then the next follow-up, if I can, always with a non-believer, I will pray with them. I will always pray with a non-believer if I can. And I'll say, hey, would you like me to pray for you? You know, I would talk to you. I'm going to ask God to bless you. I'm going to, you know. And and nine times out of ten, people say, okay. And particularly with a guy like that, you've got a real open door. He's probably going to be a little scared because he believes in it. And he, he's not quite ready to encounter God. Um, that that's We underestimate the power of that. But, yeah, that's does that kind of answer your question? It does. and. Uh, just, I, I did that. I actually, I actually meditated with him. I just put the love me my music on. My music, and I prayed with him. First, I walked him through the process, prayed with him. Didn't ask him too many more questions. When we left the sauna, he came up to me and he wanted my information. He wanted to continue. He wanted to know when I'll be back. We exchanged information. And as I'm thinking, as you're talking, I need to let you know that the weekly uh, creative writing workshop, Peyton. You know, that was a key portion of what I instilled into the group was why meditation mm. would help with creative writing. Well, this second cohort has so much, you know, embraced it that I asked them for um, testimonials to put on my – I was going into a ghostwriting phase with the business and asked them for testimonials, and every testimonial made reference to how the, the, the meditative – piece of it, because we meditate before and we meditate after, um, has transformed their creativity. So using the, so I see how, and I didn't even really intend for that to be the part of it, yeah. but because I wanted to use it on the on the business side, but that seems to be what they really wanted to extol. So I'm seeing the... Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, I want to take that, and now Pete put that together with some type of path. I started just saying totally about it being I need to say this. There's a group that I facilitate, right? I and see. I see what I, you're I, saying. I, I see what you're saying. So you're saying as really a way to have people almost as a uh, a funnel for people, like like what we used to do. We used to do groups um, where we would 
say, hey, if you want to get to know the Bible. And because we're out of a, uh, I've told this story before about the group that we did, you know, getting to know the Bible. And they were all non-believers. And they sat there the first night and hijacked the whole thing. We're like, eh, it's a bunch of rubbish and blah, blah, blah. But they all, every single, well, no, not one of them. One of them ended up not getting saved. But out of six people, seven people, um, it, that, that's powerful. So I get where you're going. Yes, you could do that. And I'd be, I'd be more than willing to maybe take some time with you just on a one-to-one call and chat through some ways that you can make that pop and make that happen. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, all right. Well, all right. we've got a lot of hands raised, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this train moving. Um, let me go over here to uh, Carl. Carl, I got your line unmuted. Hi guys, how you doing? Good. Hey, can you hear good, me, guys? Man. Yeah, yeah. Good. Can good. You hear Listen, you I apologize because I I found you guys while I was on vacation and I started with this whole thing while on vacation. So forgive me, I'm with my kids. I'm at the beach, but I wanted to listen in and ask a question. Yeah. Um, my question is this. Um, we have uh, more of a traveling ministry. My kids are in a band called Young Heart, and we basically just travel, you know, sharing the gospel, you know, wherever the doors are open. A lot of times that's in churches. Um, sometimes that's in a laundromat, a bowling alley, or whatever it is. Um, but what one, one thing we've noticed is that everywhere we go, People have asked us to do seminars on parenting and um, marriage, too, but mostly for parenting because uh, we have five kids and they just kind of feel like they're not getting as much um, help as they would like for, you know, raising uh, kids, raising godly kids in a, you know, a sinful world. So my, my question to you is this, is do you have any modules or any training at all on how to uh, develop, whether it be a coaching ministry or um, like a course? Um, Carl, that's a great question. And that's one of the things that I was bringing up to the Voxer group earlier this week. The next course that I'm basically working on is how to create um, primarily an online curriculum that you can, uh, you know, sell to other uh, pastors or, uh, churches, basically the, the Christian realm, if you will. And, uh, part of the reason for that is, is we've had a, a lot of pastors who are in the group. Like we've got Ed Choi, who's on the line right now, um, who's got a course, uh, teaching pastors, um, how to, uh, do a couple of things. One, how to make extra money as, uh, as a wedding officiator. Um, and he's also uh, reaching the unreached in his area, people who wouldn't normally come to church. And so it's kind of a, of a one-two punch. You know, they'll actually talk to a pastor because they need to get married, and he uses that as a way in to, to share the gospel. So he's got a whole course on that. Um, yeah. And so that's actually the next program that I'm putting together that everyone in uh, the Bible Winter Circle uh, will have access to. Is Here's how you create um, the whole the course, how you do the deliverables, and then, of course, how you sell it. Um, parenting, by the way, is it's a, it's a mixed topic. It's a, it's a tough one to do. However, it's, it's a very uh, powerful topic, and there's not a lot of people in that space, and there's not a lot of people, especially in the Christian realm, in that space. So, I mean, if you already got kind of like a, uh, a backbone curriculum in your mind even of, you know, 
what you would cover in that. What I'll be showing you is here's how you you take that and turn it into an actual course that can either be taught uh, live or uh, we do some things over boot camps, uh, you know, like a, a two, two-and-a-half-day boot camp. Um, or, you know, my preferred method is online just because of the uh, the ease of doing it online. You know, you don't have to go somewhere and spend two-and-a-half days out of your life uh, delivering the content, that right. kind of thing. So, so we're going to actually be putting that together. That's the next course that I'm working on. So, I mean, I would love to hear from you personally and just tell me, hey, you know, these are my big questions when it comes to putting something like this together. So that way I can address those for you. That would be great. That would be great. If you need someone to be a beta test, I'm willing. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, cool. that'd be okay, good. Thank you, guys. That'd God be really bless good. you. I appreciate what you guys hey, are no doing. no problem, man. Really, uh, came at a yeah. perfect time. I've been praying about this and um, Pete reaching out and following up. I just take it as a, a blessing from the Lord. So may God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Hey, Carl, looking forward to getting to know you, man, and uh, really excited that you're here. And I think uh, that that question is um, really good. It's funny enough, I just sent Pete um, a, a screenshot of something I saw that was regarding marriage. And I was like, I was sending send it to him to say, hey, we need to do something like this. So you want to know something? I just celebrated 20 years. One of my buddies wanted to do a, you know, a course on marriage in the the Christian community. It's <laughs> true story, man. <laughs> he talked to his wife, and he came back to me later, and he goes, "My wife doesn't think I should do that course." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Andrew and I have been talking about doing a podcast, and uh, what did we call it? Uh, marriage. Uh, partners in crime. I think it, ministry partners in crime, I think is what we call it. Or I, I can't remember. We, we had, that's probably not it. I can't remember what it was called, but it, we, we came up with a cool name for it and we actually recorded the first episode. And, oh, nice. uh, we're, yeah, we're looking, we're looking at doing this just like a 30 minute show, us talking through different issues of being married ministry and how you make it work and what the, and and I have always been in ministry together. So. Um, but yeah, it'd be good. Going the distance is hard, man. And you learn things along the way. So I, I thought Carl, that was a, that was a very insightful question. I think both in business and ministry, you can sacrifice your family and you don't have to. Like, that's kind of the cool part about it. Neither Pete nor I, we're family men. And I know people, <laughs> because he will not think of himself that way, but both of us at a certain time of night, we're done. It's it's family time, you know. That's it. We don't. I don't. I don't work through the night anymore. I don't. I don't work it till ten, eleven o'clock, unless I've taken the the first part of the day off and I go to work at two because I've been at my daughter's assembly or been out with it, you know, doing something stupid with the family, you know. All right. Next call we got here. Uh, hand raised. It doesn't say the name. I'm wondering if it's Charlie. I'm not sure because it says it's coming in from La Habra. So it's uh, Charlie's hair. Tell us. Yeah, it's Charlie's hair. <laughs> <But> tell <laughs> us uh, who you are and what your question is. Yeah, it's me, and I do have my hair with me today. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to speak to the hair. Let me talk to the hair. The hair. The hair has the power. He's a little embarrassed. He's a little embarrassed these days because uh, he's going whiter than he used to be. 
Hey, it's the frosting thing look like, just makes him look better. Yeah, exactly. It just if you guys don't know, Charlie has the best head of hair on the planet. And for a guy like me, I notice stuff like that. There's two things I notice in people. All they are and what their hair is like. And Charlie just has he has hair that would turn a straight man gay. There, I said it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go. There, Oh my god! <laughs> Great, and I was thinking I didn't have to edit this call. Now all of a sudden I do. <laughs> I don't know how to answer. Char- Charlie that. is my is church you- planning partner. Yeah, yeah. Charlie and I go way back. He was my church planning partner in Refuge Long Beach. So he's also a client. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't know how to answer that since you and I spent a weekend in a 400 square foot trailer. I'm, I'm a little afraid now. <laughs> hammering out our our, our uh, constitution and bylaws which funny story when i sent it to charlie to look over i i laced it at the final edition i laced it with bombs so there were little things i snuck in there that were like little bits of heresy and uh and one of them was about um <laughs> uh two men you know uh gay gay marriage and i i i i flipped it you know and so when the was it you when you took it to the bank or was it someone i can't remember who it was no i didn't take it to but, the bank, yeah somebody somebody took it to the evangelical credit union uh with the you know not catching the mistakes you know or the intentional bombs that were laced throughout it because charlie and i have a wicked sense of humor and it went uh yeah we got a call from the bank so that was funny they, they didn't want to give you an account <laughs> <laughs> and then he had to explain to him, oh, it was actually a joke. <laughs> so, we've since patched up our relationship with Evangelical Credit Union, though. They sometimes still raise their eyebrows when I go in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, hey, I just wanted to comment on A. David. Um, yeah, Peyton will not uh, t- teach you how to grow your church. As a matter of fact, if you catch him on the right day, <laughs> he may preach a sermon that will shrink it. And, yes. and that's intentional. Very true. Long, yep. long, long, long story behind that. But, yeah, it's one of those uh, <laughs> eat my eat my flesh and drink my blood sermons when you got so many freeloaders in your uh, church plant that you need to uh, jettison. But uh, hey, uh, yeah. that, that's another long that's another long story. Yeah. Um, but hey, um, just wanted to chime in and uh, hey, Pete, did you uh, did you see that I had your back yesterday when you had some people giving weird comments about your ad on Facebook? You know, I actually just saw it this morning. I was like, huh. Normally, I would erase the the comment, but Charlie handled it so well and brought the guy back around. I was like, I might actually leave it. It might actually help the ad so thank you very much man i appreciate that yeah well it's it's one of those where somebody makes a comment when they obviously don't know what what the ad is about right i mean and that they, never they, happens with pastors ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i think they mistook your ad for a a health health wealth and prosperity how to get rich by being a yeah, they obviously don't know anything about church planning if it's uh, about getting rich. But um, <laughs> um, right, that's that's why we need Pete. 
As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this was just the uh, first part of the mastermind call that's available to all of our Bivo Inner Circle members. If you'd like to find out more about this program, head on over to BivoInnerCircle.com and uh, you can check it out there. Thanks so much, and we'll see you on next week's episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music